Well, hey, everybody, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Malvern Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Well, it's now the first Tuesday in December, and that means that we are officially in the Christmas season. But in this episode sermon, we're actually going to be skipping ahead and talking about how we've all felt at one time or another after Christmas has come and gone for another year. And that's because at one point or another, we have all felt a little bit let down or disappointed after Christmas. We've all felt like our Christmases have just been missing something. But none of us want to feel that way. So this week we're starting into a new series of sermons called Missing Christmas, where we'll be exploring a few stories about people who literally missed out on the very first Christmas, and we'll see what we can learn from them to make the most out of our Christmas this year. So let's get right into this week's sermon. ...together this morning on this, the first Sunday in the month of December, the first Sunday in the season that we call Advent, we've been trying to help get you in Christmas spirit this morning. So this morning we've sung some upbeat songs to try to lift your spirits a little bit, and we've sung some of your favorite Christmas carols. We've put out some Christmas presents, and I even put on my Mickey Mouse Christmas sweater, and and I've got some pretty Christmas socks with gingerbread men on them too this morning, all in an attempt to raise your spirits a little bit and start getting you ready for Christmas. But just in case none of this stuff has worked and you still feel like the Grinch did before his heart grew three sizes that day, I've got a little video clip that we want to show you that'll remind you of what Christmas is like when you're a kid. So David, let's play that clip. Alright, so in that little video clip, you've got a boy, and the boy sneaks out of his bed at 1 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day. He then tiptoes his way downstairs, and he starts peeking around the Christmas tree uh, before he finally sits down on the floor and, and with his present in hand and starts shaking that present. And we've all been there, right? We've all been that little boy at one point or another. We've all snuck around our Christmas tree and we found the presents with our names on them and we've given them a good little shake to try to figure out what's inside. Now, some of us did that when we were kids and some of you are going to do that this year as soon as the presents start sitting underneath your tree and that's perfectly fine. There's no big deal with that. Uh, But that's exactly what the little boy did in our clip. He sits down and he shakes that present and he starts dreaming about what could possibly be inside. Maybe it was going to be a rocket ship that he could ride or a robot to dance with or a ray gun that he could shoot. But whatever it was going to be, that little boy knew it was going to be the coolest Christmas present ever. That is, it was going to be the coolest Christmas present ever until he actually opened up the present. And when he opened up the present, it turned out to be socks. We've all been there, right? 
That little boy does what every single one of us wished we could do when we opened up that package filled with socks or underwear when we got it for Christmas. He grabs that package and he chucks it out in the snow because seriously, what kind of person gives kids socks and underwear for Christmas? But we've all been there too. We've all had that present in our hands, dreaming of opening it up and having the coolest Christmas gift we ever received, only to have our hopes dashed and end up feeling disappointed. I've been there. I've been there. As a matter of fact, there's, there's one Christmas that, that comes to my mind when I think about feeling a little disappointed that happened when I was a kid. And it all started out like just about every other Christmas started out when I was a kid. Started out somewhere in the middle of October when the Toys R Us catalog showed up in the mail, and I sat down on the living room floor and started going through page after page of that catalog. And as I went, I had to have circled half of that of the catalog with things that I wanted that year. But there was one page in that particular catalog, one toy that I vividly remember to this day. And when I saw that particular toy, it was like a spotlight was shining down upon it and the heavens opened up and the angel sang hallelujah because this was the toy that I had been waiting for my entire life. So what was this particular toy? Well, it was a giant inflatable football player. And you may have heard me talk about this before because it's the one thing, the one thing that I wanted to be, one thing I wanted to do more than anything else when I was a kid was to become a professional football player. We can all see where those dreams led me. And I knew that this particular toy, the six-foot-tall giant inflatable football player, was going to help my dreams come true. So when I saw that toy in the catalog, I imagined the hours that I would spend in my room throwing a football to that giant inflatable football player. I would work on my skills until I could throw a, a spiral like Dan Marino. And for those of you who are not old enough to remember who Dan Marino is, he was kind of like the Lamar Jackson of my childhood. And if you don't know who either of those guys are, you really got to get out a little bit more. Okay? But anyway, all that I wanted for Christmas that year was a six-foot-tall, giant, inflatable football player. And lo and behold, Christmas morning rolls around, and I wake up early like the kid in our video did. I tiptoe down the stairs. I peek around the Christmas tree. And what do I see waiting for me on the other side of the Christmas tree? I see a six-foot-tall pile of socks and underwear. No, I'm just kidding, because nobody's mean enough to give their kids a six-foot-tall pile of socks and underwear for Christmas, Okay. Now, what I see on the other side of that Christmas tree is that giant inflatable football player, completely inflated and ready to play with. Now, I know what you're starting to think right now. I told you that I've experienced disappointment on Christmas morning just like everybody else has, but here I am telling you a story about getting exactly what I wanted for Christmas. So where is the disappointment in this story? Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. Because when I saw this giant inflatable football player standing beside the Christmas tree, I got this uncontrollable urge. I don't know where it came from, but I, couldn't, I just couldn't help myself. So I went running at that thing in a full-on sprint. I dropped my hips, I lowered my shoulder, and I speared that thing like Bill Goldberg did in the WCW back in the 1990s. And like the three wrestling fans here this morning, they really appreciate that reference. Uh, but I ran straight through that thing. I tackled that giant inflatable football player with everything that I had. And the key word in the description about that giant inflatable football player is the inflatable part. 
So guess what happened when I tackled it with everything that I had in my little eight-year-old body? That thing absolutely exploded. And when I held what was left of its rubber skin in my hands, all the hopes, all the dreams that I had for Christmas were completely dashed. The truth is, still kind of hurts to talk about it 30 years later. Christmas just hasn't been the same. But we all have that kind of story, right? We all have that kind of story. We've dreamt of a perfect Christmas only to end up with our hopes dashed. And that doesn't just happen because you end up with a busted Christmas present on Christmas morning. The truth is there are times when your Christmas can go almost exactly the way that you plan, almost exactly the way that you want it to. Your Christmas, you can get everything that you put on your Christmas list. You can receive a card from everybody that you wanted to send you a card. You can get invited to all the best holiday parties. And you can still end up feeling disappointed when Christmas is over. I mean, seriously. Is there anybody sitting in this room this morning who hasn't felt at least a little bit disappointed after Christmas has come and gone for another year? Now, maybe it happened to you when you were picking up all the shreds of wrapping paper that were sitting in your living room floor after the tornado that is Christmas morning with kids came and went in your house. Or maybe it happened for you when you said goodbye to the last guest who came over for your Christmas morning brunch. Or maybe it happened when you were taking down the last ornaments off of your tree and you were packing them away for another year. But haven't we all felt like something was missing from Christmas? I mean, if I'm being completely honest with you, that's how I end up feeling after a lot of Christmases now that I'm an adult. I mean, I still get so excited to spend some time with my family and to open up some cool gifts when we get together for our Christmas celebrations. And I even enjoy the decorating around our house and around the church as long as I don't have to spend too much time fluffing the Christmas trees. But when it's over, when all of the Christmas fun and celebrations and decorating and food and parties and and presents are done, I just end up feeling like, like Christmas was just missing something. But you know what? I don't want to feel that way this year, and I'm sure you don't want to feel that way about Christmas either. You don't want to wake up on December 26th and feel let down or disappointed or like you just missed out on something this year. So this year we're going to try to make sure that we don't miss out on Christmas. And we're going to do that by exploring a couple of different stories about people who literally missed out on the very first We're going to talk about why they missed out on the very first Christmas, and then we're going to try to learn from them to make sure that we can make the most out of Christmas this year. So let's go ahead and jump right into the first story. And our first story this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, from Luke chapter 2. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke 2. And as you're turning there, let me just remind you that the book of Luke is one of four biographies that we have of Jesus inside of the Bible. And like Michelle told you during the children's sermon this morning, Luke's gospel, Luke's biography goes into more details about Jesus' birth than any of the other biographies that we have. So you've probably heard this story more times than you can remember. But let's take a little bit closer look at it this morning. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Here's what Luke writes. He says, In those days, Caesar declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. The first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. 
and everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house, his family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city, called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. One the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let me read that last sentence for you again. It says, there was no room for them in the end. So this morning, we're going to talk about that innkeeper that is only alluded to in Scripture through this one verse. And we're going to talk about what would have been going on in this innkeeper's mind. What would have been going on in his life when Mary and Joseph showed up at his inn's front door. So let's take a minute and let's think about what we know about this innkeeper from this passage in Luke's Gospel. And there are a few things that we can infer about this innkeeper in this passage in the book of Luke. A few things that Luke tells us about him, like the fact that his inn is in the city of Bethlehem. And for those of us living on this side of Christmas, we know that Bethlehem is where Israel's greatest king, King David, was born. And we also know that the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior that God had promised the people of Israel and the entire world, was going to come from Bethlehem. But as important as the city of Bethlehem is to the Christmas story and to our faith story today, the city of Bethlehem really wasn't that important when Jesus was born there. You know that Christmas carol we sang just a couple of minutes ago, O Little Town of Bethlehem? Well, it gives us a pretty good picture of what Bethlehem was actually like. That carol in the first verse, it starts out by talking about literally the little town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was a small town. The truth is there may have only been a few hundred people living inside of the city of Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And it also talks in that first verse of a little town of Bethlehem about the still nights in that city, in that town. And I don't know if you've ever lived in a small town yourself, but I spent four and a half years of my life living in a town with a population of under 2,000 people. Said it right as you drove into the city. Population 1972. And it hadn't changed in that many years either. But I lived there for about five years. And still is a really good way to describe the nightlife inside of any small town because there is nothing to do there after it gets dark. So when the song mentions the dark streets of Bethlehem, it's got to be telling us what it was really like there. Because nobody, nobody would have been out at nighttime in the little town of Bethlehem. So this is the place where the innkeeper is at. He's in a small town where nothing ever happens. But then the book of Luke tells us, that the emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus, orders a census, a taxation list to be compiled, and everyone must return to their own hometown. So this little town of Bethlehem, it probably gets a lot more crowded when this account takes place. And why is that? Well, again, I lived in a small town for years. And I can tell you one thing is absolutely the truth about this small town. When most kids finished up high school, they would go off to college or they would enter into the workforce and they would leave that little town behind forever because they knew that there just weren't any opportunities for them 
If they stayed behind, if they kept trying to live in that little town, there's no business manufacturing. There just weren't that many things that they could do. So the same thing is probably happening in the city of Bethlehem and Jesus' time too. When kids got old enough, they were going to leave town. The men were going to go out, they were going to leave their families behind because there were so little opportunities for them in that city, in that town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem only needed so many carpenters or bakers or even innkeepers. But when the census happened, all of those people that left Bethlehem, they had to go back home. And that meant that they all needed a place to stay. So this innkeeper in this little town of Bethlehem, he probably got really, really busy. He may have had more people come to his inn after Caesar ordered the sin than he had had stay there in years. So imagine what it must have been like when Mary and Joseph showed up. Now the way that we usually picture this story happening and taking place is that Mary and Joseph show up late at night after they have been traveling, after they've been on the road from Nazareth to Bethlehem for days. So at that point, the innkeeper, he has been busy taking care of his guests all day long because an inn in biblical times would have been more like a bed and breakfast these days than a big hotel chain. So this innkeeper, he would have been checking people in, he would have been carrying their bags, he would have been cooking their meals, he would have been dealing with any of their complaints. So when Mary and Joseph show up, and they come knocking at that door, this innkeeper is too exhausted to even begin to think about what is happening right in front of his face. And because he is so exhausted from all the busyness of that day, he missed out. He missed out on the very first Christmas. He missed out on the actual birth of Jesus. And the exact same thing happens to us at this time of year. We get so busy that we miss Christmas. We can get so busy that we simply miss Christmas. We get so busy trying to pick out the perfect gifts and wrap the perfect presents that we miss Christmas. We can get planning for our holiday meals or coordinating our travel schedules that we miss Christmas. We can get so busy decorating our homes or searching for the perfect, ugly Christmas sweater that we miss Christmas. But how different do you think this story would have been if the innkeeper took just a little bit of time to realize who it was that was knocking at his door? If the innkeeper would have known that the Son of God, that Jesus, was there at his door, how different would this story have been? See, I think we just read it would have ended completely differently. And instead of saying that she gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, and wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end, I think it would have said something like, she gave birth to her firstborn child and she wrapped him snugly and laid him in a nice warm bed because the innkeeper made room for them in the end. And that's the lesson that we all need to learn from this innkeeper this Christmas. If you don't want to feel disappointed, if you don't want to feel let down, if you don't want to feel like you missed Christmas after Christmas this year, if you don't want to feel like you missed out on something, then we have to make room in our lives for Jesus. We have to make room 
in our lives for Jesus. But that's not what most of us do most Christmases. Instead of making room in our lives for Jesus, we fill our lives with so many other things. We fill our lives with one more trip out to the mall or another hour sitting in front of our computer or our tablet screen searching on Amazon to find the perfect gift. We fill our lives by slaving away for hours over a hot stove to cook the perfect holiday ham or bake the perfect Christmas cookies. We fill our lives by spending hours meticulously placing every ornament on our Christmas tree just to make sure that there isn't a bare spot on it. We spend hours of our lives going through every light bulb in our outdoor display to make sure that it all works when it gets plugged in. And because we fill our lives with so many other things, there's no room left for Jesus. Because we fill our lives with so many other things, we don't have room left for Jesus at Christmas. So here's my first challenge for you. Here's my first challenge for you if you don't want to end up feeling like you missed Christmas this year. I want you to learn from the innkeeper. I want you to make room in your life for Jesus this Christmas. And I want to challenge you to do that by giving up just one thing. Just one thing that you typically do, that you usually do each Christmas, and spend that time that you normally would on this activity with Jesus instead. So instead of making that extra trip to the mall, spend that time singing some of your favorite Christmas carols, alone and by yourselves, the songs of worship you're bringing to God. Or instead of baking one more batch of Christmas cookies, spend that time rereading the Christmas story and remembering what the season is really about. Or instead of reworking the decorations on your tree for another hour trying to fill that one empty spot that just won't go away, spend that time talking to Jesus instead. Find a way to make room in your life for Jesus this Christmas. Because the only part of Christmas that matters, it's not the presents that you give or receive. It's not the decorations you hang on your tree. It's not even the food that you eat when you're sitting with your family. The only part of Christmas that matters is the Christ part. And you will always end up feeling like you missed out on Christmas if you don't make room for the Christ part. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the time that we've had together in this place this morning. On this, the first Sunday in December, the first Sunday in the season of Advent, as we start preparing ourselves for Christmas. And God, you know that all of us in this place, everyone that can hear my voice, that we have a lot in common with this innkeeper. We get so busy that we don't have room for anything else in our lives at Christmas, and that sadly includes Christ. So God, my prayer is that you help each one of us find something that we can give up over the course of the next 25 days so that we can really sit and reflect on what this season is about. So that we can spend time with you singing carols and praises to you, rereading the Christmas story, spending time simply... Because God, everything that we fill this season with, from the presents to the family get-togethers to the decorating, those aren't what matters. What matters most at Christmas is Christ. So let us learn.
couldn't make room and is in for you. And let us all make room in our lives, in our hearts, for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. I hope that you've been challenged to make room in your life for Christ this Christmas, because you'll always end up feeling like you missed something at Christmas if you don't. Now, next Sunday at Melbourne Heights will be our annual Christmas cantata, and we can't share that through this podcast due to copyright restrictions. So instead, we're going to be digging into our sermon archives to share another Christmas message with you. And that episode will drop next Tuesday, and if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And before I go, I just want to remind you that just because this sermon is coming to an end, I hope that you don't forget what you've heard. So find some ways this Christmas to cut back on some of your busyness, to make some time in your life, to spend with God, to focus in on what this season means, to make room for Christ at Christmas. And we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another episode of our sermon podcast.